Hi, welcome to an episode of Fill Me In. I'm Kirk Liddell. And I'm Carl Danielson. And we're about to engage you and ourselves in meaningful, delightful, informative conversation about the theater and music and music theater from two people. Two very different people. Yes. Um, I'm a black kid from the, the Midwest. And I'm a 59-year-old white dude from California. I love that you said black kid. What? <laughs> this is Fill Me In. Welcome to another episode of Fill Me In. I'm Kirk. I'm Carl. Hey. Hey. Honestly, I it's good to be back on the pod, chit-chatting with you. It's I have been I think I complain about being overworked all of the time. But I can you finally no one else. <laughs> right? No one else is complaining about it. But I can say like I'm really excited that uh through all of the hard work and all of the being overwhelmed, something has finally come through and I can like probably announce casting soon i don't i just got my contract for it so i can be able to talk about it soon here um but yeah i'm just like is it the job i know about yes the job you know about um it's just nice that i can finally that you know the audition season i think i don't i want to be very transparent and say like audition season has been really hard for everyone obviously um because it's this weird hybrid and no one really knows what they're doing and it's the first time it's like really back in like full force and i i just felt like i was every my weekends were dedicated to trying to put myself on tape for things when all I really wanted to do was like sit on my couch um and I had to be like diligent and like make myself do it and I will say this if we're gonna keep doing these we've got to figure out a better way to to help the dancers of the world because it's not fair it's not fair how much money I spend on studio space like any of it oh it's 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 astronomical and there's like the new rule is supposed to be like choreographers have to choreograph so that things fit in like this like 10 by 12 room and blah 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 and while that's all good in theory i still can't jump no it's yeah this is definitely not good no and it's it's it is it makes it very difficult for people who aren't uh swimming in money to like actively compete with their counterparts. Well, um, you are speaking the truth. I mean, this is so d- deep right now. Training, post-training, which is a really important thing. Maintenance. I mean, it is all now we have. It, it is arts only if you're wealthy. Yeah, and it's. I mean, well, that's a that's a vague word, but you have to but, have money yeah, too. You have to you have to be able to like put back into it in a way that is almost astronomical. Yeah, it is astronomical. Um, to, ask, to ask a 22-year-old who just graduated from college, right? Like, I'm finally at 28, like, in a position where I'm, like, I'm making enough money that I can take this really expensive class and, like, push my – and, like, be in situations that uh, allow me to be competitive. But I wasn't doing this at 22. I wouldn't have been able to. Like, there's no way. What you don't see about yourself, which is great, is that you are so focused and so smart and so driven. And what makes me sad as a teacher, I have so many students of certainly comparable skill level and talent to yours, but I know that they do not have the human resources, 
that means both money and inside, right? Yeah. To wither this. And the artistic community is suffering from the repression of their voices. So while I applaud you and say, yay, you keep going, live your best life. Um, I just marvel at all the people who we aren't going to get here from because the system is so overwhelming. Yeah. And, and that's so that's our communal disadvantage. Yep. I completely agree. Um, so it, it's just, there needs to be, I mean, I think we are make we've been making steps toward a reckoning of some kind. We're just not even close though to what it actually needs to look like. And I hope, we get there sooner rather than later because people are going to just like, stop doing this. We're going to, like you said, we're going to lose voices that are so important to have. Oh, we've lost them. We've been yeah. losing them for years and we're going to lose more. Yeah. And it's just, it's a, it's a shame. It's a, it's a very, it's a shame at its, at its, at its core. Um, but yeah, so uh, through all of the craziness that has been this audition season, I can say like, Oh, I booked something like, okay, you are like, you did what you're supposed to do. Like, it happened. You'll get to be a working actor, which will be exciting. I will be a working actor who is still working 40 hours a week. Can I tell you this? You're going to keep your job during it? Yeah. Well. Yeah. They they were like, because realistically, my job is too cushy. I work from home. I, like, just do customer service stuff. But I get to work from my, my apartment. I get, you know, like, it's very simple. And you get they to are, decide your hours. No, my hours are set for the most part. I work eight to four, five times a week. But they're very flexible about like when I need to do that, if I need to change things, how I can change things. And so I was talking to them and they're like, we'll figure out something during rehearsal. It's only nine days of rehearsal before tech. Oh my God. So, yes. okay. yeah. yeah. So I'm going to rehearse for nine, those nine days before All tech. Right. They were like, we'll figure out maybe you just are part time for a little bit and that's okay. Like we'll make some right. adjustments, but we want you to be able to do this. Like this is, right. that's it. You following this dream is very important to us uh, for what you do. And I was like, that's amazing. Thank you. And then I'm going to take a vacation for tech week. So I'll take vacation up and through opening. Um, yeah. Wow. And they have just, yeah, they're being so kind about it. And then once the show is open, I will work eight to four. Right. My five times a week. I have to, right now, my schedule is that I have Wednesdays and Saturdays off and they're going to fix it so that I have um Sundays off instead so that I can do the matinee and not have a problem. Um but I will realistically have like one no I won't. Um between both things I will be ha- I will have something to do every day. How which long is, is the contract? Ten weeks. So we start oh. June we start in June and we end in August. Okay. And then I'm going on vacation from everything. You won't need that at all. No. No, I'm so excited to sit on a beach for 10 weeks, but uh, then I'm going to actually sit on the beach and do nothing after this. It'll be great. I'm tired yeah. thinking about it. Sure. You're <laughs> well, a couple of years younger than I, aren't you? Yeah, just a couple. Just a couple. <laughs> just a couple, so it'll be really easy for me. But yeah, it'll be fun, and I'm, but I, I'm like glad that my work is letting me do that. So shout out to them and if you are in a position where you can find a job that it's like going to both understand what you do as an artist, but also pay you what you need to be paid so that you can like feasibly live in New York city. Um, hold on tight. Cause they're important. Yeah. They're important. Um, but 
yeah, do we uh, say, let's say, let's get into the mood category, yeah? The mood category? Moved category. Moved category. What moved you this week? Um, We should probably figure out some sort of like jingle to put in here or like (laughs) a little little interlude moment. So like in our new segment. I feel the sky tumbling down. I love it. I love it. That was it. That was the jingle. (laughs) Yes. Um, I will so, uh, to the listeners out there, yeah, I don't know if I've talked about this very much, but my sister, uh, recently had a baby by recently. I mean, by the time you're hearing this, the baby will be, has been, or we're recording this and the baby is five days old. Yes. She had the baby on Monday, Monday, the 11th. And so I finally got to meet my niece yesterday, which was Friday the 15th. And I honestly am a wreck about just like looking at her. She's the most perfect thing that's ever graced to the planet. And I'm so incredibly lucky to be in her life. But my sister, and this is the thing that moved me this week. My sister, for those of you who don't know, I'm one of four. I think I talk about it in the episode where we like meet the host. Um, But I'm one of four. And my older sister and I are very close. Um, She's two years older than me. So we've basically been through like everything together. And uh, she, when she told me she was pregnant, it was like so jarring. Cause I was like, wow, that's something that like, I actually physically cannot, like, I'll never know what that feeling is. Like I can have my own kid. I can like, yeah. you know, the, all of those things, like I can, I can adopt blah, 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 but I'll never carry a child. And we'll never know that sensation. Um, and it was so beautiful to like see her grow and like watch her morph into being coming in this mother. And my sister is like rough and tough. Like she has always been like a rough and tough time boy when we were growing up, like very much just like playing basketball in the dirt, like never really wore a dress. And to see her kind of blossom into this woman is so brilliant. And so yesterday we got home or we got to her house and she was, um, we were just talking about the baby and like, how's it been going and blah, blah, blah. And she started crying because she, um, for the first, she was like, I just want her to be okay. And it's so important to me that like, everything is fine. Like something had happened earlier in the day and my sister got very overwhelmed. Um, and she's like, I just didn't know what to do. I could, I didn't know how to help her. I didn't know if anything was wrong. And to see my sister care so deeply about this being um, really was like, I was like, I'm going to walk away. Cause I'm going to cry. And I don't want to make you cry more, but it was just like, it's so exciting and moving um to see her care so deeply about this being that um just walk into our lives and like to know that my was that easy what uh oh i'm blanking on the name which i know i remember latrice no no don't tell me sutton latrice actually walked out of the (laughs) oh it was i wish it was no my standing Standing straight up on both legs. Um, no, my sister was in labor for 13 hours. So it was not. So it that wasn't easy. quite walked in. No, not quite walked, but she, she made, she certainly made a splash and to be like the first grandbaby to my parents and to be a little girl is this like, I, I, we, I come from a very large family of boys. I have three brothers. I have like nine cousins most of them male my like sister's the only girl and then i have like a second cousin who's a girl but that's like really it 
some lot of boys and has been most of our life. So to have a little baby girl is huge. Um, but yeah, that was what moved me this week. Just like getting to see my sister um, really become a mom is like jarring and brilliant and frightening and perfect, you know, all of the things. Insert Angela Lansbury singing If He Walked Into My Life Today from Maine. <laughs> Got it. No, but that's that's huge. Yeah. And the acknowledgement that we will never really understand fully what that means. Yeah, it'll I mean, I mean we know what it means, but to really I will never I can I can't is it sympathize? I always get this wrong. I can't I can only empathize with her like when she's going through things because I don't know what it feels like. And I never yeah. will. Yeah. Um, I can't, yeah. I can't say like, I feel you. I understand. Cause I don't. And, uh, I'm very thankful that I don't have to carry a child cause she was stressed and like, it was exhausting. I could only imagine. Um, but yeah, she's, she's a mom and it's crazy. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Your turn. Someone sent me, Oh, my friend Graham. Shadow Boxer sent me a YouTube video. You know, there's this been a, there's been this explosion of Sondheimia. That's not a word. Uh, <laughs> I like it though. Sondheimia. I'm kind of a, like Sondmania. <laughs> Sond Sondheimania. Sondheimania, and that could yes. be a song from Will Rogers' Follies. It could. Um, it is from 1954. A backers audition for a musical, which I wonder if how many things you know, if any from it, uh, called Saturday Night. Yeah. Do you know any of the songs? I don't know them well. I've listened to the album a couple times. You've shared the oh. album with me. Yay. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. You yeah. know, I've been a big fan of this for many years. And I was curious. I tend to not like these um, live recordings because we're so spoiled. Um you know, with technology and, you know, it's hissy and it's not clear, but it was like time travel and it's filled with stars, probably none of which you'd know. Do you know who Jack Cassidy is? Does that name mean anything to you? Mm -mm. He's probably the biggest name on there. And you could look, I mean, his wife was Shirley Jones, who you probably oh. know from the Oklahoma movie, but Jack Cassidy was a huge star and name in his day in TV Star and he's David Cassidy's father. I don't think he's the other Partridge family. Oh, okay. Okay. Huge Broadway star. I don't even really know him that much on film, but he's there. Anyway, of he had only had one Broadway success at that point. So he was kind of the name in it, but he's in it. Lila or Leela Martin. Um Alice Ghostly, who you might recognize if you saw her. She was a very famous comedian and singer. Jay Harnick, Sheldon Harnick's brother, and Sondheim at the piano. And, mm. you know, clearly this is not the most, this was his first show. It was going to go to Broadway, and then the producer died, and it kind of never happened. And then as life went on, Sondheim was kind of embarrassed about it. You know, he looks back on his younger efforts, including West Side Story, and he's so, and he's so critical. Yeah. Um, he he kind of kept putting a stop to it and then realized he was never going to stop it completely. But the the licensed version, you know, he was very protective of the book writer. Oh my God, we need more of that in the world right now. <laughs> <laughs> As we throw out every book to every show and we rewrite them. Yep. Um, but what was so moving to me listening to this thing and being in this time capsule, which 
I don't know that I've gotten a sense of anywhere is how much the, and it was just the songs. There's somebody reading, telling you what happens in the story. It's an hour and something, but how much the audience was clearly enjoying and appreciating this material because, you know, we've heard about, you know, Sondheim, nobody mentioned the lyrics to West Side Story and Gypsy and la la la. And people overlooked the score to Forum and all these things that we see as insane. But it made me so happy to listen to this thing and hear the obvious joy that that audience, and then to hear him at the piano playing the whole score yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. He's, I mean, uh, I think we talk about Sondheim at least once every episode. Um, maybe that's a new segment. Maybe we need to like talk, we need to like add like our Sondheim moment of the week. Geez, because yes. it is, I mean, he truly is otherworldly. And yeah, Saturday Night is one of those shows that kind of go amiss, right? Like people don't really talk about it. Um, but I would love to, see, I would love to hear that. And just like, also him playing at the piano and him like giving him like really, you know, understanding the material. And you getting yes. to kind of hear it firsthand. Yeah. I know, I I know that for so long, um, I know people appreciate Sondheim, but it is I I do think there is this very specific breed of human who like are obsessed with him, and those are my kind of people. Like I would love to have, <laughs> I'd have loved to have been in the room with a bunch of other Sondheim appreciators while he played the score. To Saturday night, or did the score to anything really? Yeah, I would love to yeah. have been in the room with like just once in my life to have heard him do that would have been exciting. I'm, you know, I feel like YouTube is filled. I know that there's a recording of a Sweeney Todd backers audition. I know why, even after this, yeah, I don't know why I'm that's not something I'm racing towards, although yeah. I'm sure it's amazing. I'm sure it's all, yeah, I'm sure it's great. Yeah. I was listening on my drive to Columbus, I was listening to. Oh, Bobby, Bobby Corn, Colton Thornton. I don't know if I said his name right. Um, oh, I know who you mean. Yes, there's a Bobby Conte in there. Bobby Conte Thornton. That's how you say it. Oh yeah, yeah Bobby Conte Thornton. That's how you say his name. Amazing. Yes. There's a there's a recording <laughs> of a him singing. It <laughs> for me absolutely. <laughs> um, there's a video of him, or not a video. There's a recording of him doing. Everybody says don't. Um, which is my new obsession for whatever reason. I'm like, I'm going to learn this pattern song. I'm going to nail it. Um, but it's there's a version of him singing it on an album, and he, it's like slightly rocker. It's like slightly edgier. It's got a little, and it's got a little energy to it. And I was like, this is so good. But just like, no one writes like that. Like I had my musical theater playlist on while I was driving to Columbus. And I was like, this is a standout. Like, Son, what Sondheim has managed to do in everything he's done is just like all, always flies above everything else, you know? And it, it stands the test of time. Well, there are other people, to be fair, other composers, other lyricists in the same vein. But we, do, for whatever reason, I mean, it's kind of the, which I, which I don't like. It's that celebrity obsession sure. um, that you know, that's kind of allowed us to focus on him and forget about a lot of other serious voices. Um, but we're not aware of them. And a lot of them are being lost to time, which is yeah. unfortunate. Well, maybe but, that's a, that's the thing. I would love to know other people that you would recommend. Well, you've got people like Kurt Vile that. Mm, oh yeah. I yeah. don't even think about that. Yeah. 
uh, there's a there's a man Jerome Morose who wrote uh, Golden Apple, which is a really smart piece. Oh, that's the show with no, is that no. That's well, Lindsay Mendez did it at I, I know you you love her. Who doesn't? Um, at the at the encores recently, based on um, the Iliad and the Odyssey. I I remember you read Son Son of Achilles. But yeah, this is a this is a composer of merit and all the Bernstein stuff. I suspect yeah. you've never heard 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, which you can hear on Spotify as the White House Cantata. What a score. Yeah. Uh, he wrote that with Alan J. Lerner. I know people aren't aware um, yeah. that these things the, exist. The, the Bernstein, is it mass? Well, there's called? the mass. Yeah. That's the, I sang that in school and was like, this is brilliant. And like, oh. um, Oh, I sing the star. Is it a? It's a song about stars. That and back then, that I was like, I've recently gone back and listened to it, and I was like, in college, I just was not interested in singing that material, and now as an adult, I was like, oh, you're an idiot. This is brilliant, and like so about right. like so high class. Um, but yeah, well, I would love. Yeah, to investigate that. Well, there's all the good tell. Adam Gettle. Oh. Depending on who you hear pronounce it. Um, <laughs> it's ghetto. Well, <laughs> I've, I've, ghetto. Heard, I've heard people pretty close to the source saying Gattel, but it's that, that even shifts back and forth, which is, well, it's all good. Tara Levo, uh, Zachary Quinto, Adam, uh, Adam Ghetto. Huh? Yeah, I've you will hear both, and you could you could have an argument about Quinto, but that's all right. Yeah, I mean, if he if he wants it, Quinto. That's how he says it. And Olivo, it's spelled Olivo. Yes, it's Olivo, sir. Oh goodness! But you're well, right. Um, since I was in his home for dinner and heard it, Gatell, I think that stands for something. He said he said Gatell. That's very well, interesting to me. People that were that yes, and but oh. it but it shifts around. It's also this is going to sound insane, but it's also kind of a Jewish thing. <laughs> you yes. there, that there's multiple pronunciations Pronunciations of it. You know. That's fair. That's is fair. It Avram or Avram, you know, and you'll hear both, and both are accepted. Look at all the things in the dictionary that they say yeah. you can say this or you can say or this, this. Right, 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 right. I've heard him say ghetto on podcasts. That's the only reason why I yes say it. But maybe that's because maybe he's making it easier for other people. Like maybe he's like Americanizing it. Anyway, doesn't matter. It's great. I, you're right though. He's brilliant. You know, Light in the Piazza is not anything to like. Yeah, but how well do you know the myths and hymns and oh. like Collins? I mean, it's great. It's great stuff. Myths and hymns was my like high school show. I really was like, this is brilliant. And oh my God. This, that's when I was like, I'm a serious actor and I only do serious musical theater. No room for yep. Legally Blonde because it's serious. But, but that's not even theater. It's more of, it's like a song cycle, concert. It is, it's absolutely that. But I was yeah. like, this is serious and involved and I am a serious actor. It's great. And by great, I mean, I was a foolish child. That's okay. Um, but yeah, so I guess that was our move section. You have to now. We have to have an exit music. We have to have like out of it. <laughs> there it was. Okay, you're gonna have to find a new moved song then for next week that also features the word moved in it. So moved. that's your homework. Good luck. Oh, 
Fabulous. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. Um, well, on today's episode, I have left. I think we're gonna get into to, into some uh, conversations about directors. Can yeah? you start with why it's an interesting subject to you? And that doesn't come from the point of view of suggesting that it's not. I just oh, wondered. Yeah. My, uh, yes. yeah, of course. Uh, so to me, a director more than anything else can make or break the way a production breathes. Yes, an actor is it yes, an actor is important. And it is it is <laughs> hear me out, hear me out. Yes, an actor no, is no, important. It is you and it is it is the actor who has to tell the story every day. And it is the actor who has to live with the character on a regular basis. Um, and you know, musicians are important because are for musical theater specifically, musicians are important because it helps elevate it in a certain way. And a music director is important because they, you know, they make sure that you that you are understanding the like new like the way the music is supposed to live. And casting is important because they bring you in the room and they make sure that you like you are the essence that the director might need to see that day and whatever. But a director is the reason that a show can have a pulse and can continue to like grow and live because they can take a step back and look at the overall picture and try and really tap into like what we're trying, what the message you're trying to get across and how, you know, I always loved when I was on tour, I always loved when the director came to the show, depending on where, what city we were in and gave notes again to just be like, Oh, this is what you're missing. Like, this is how we prevent it from getting stale. This is how we continue to allow this piece to breathe and live. And like, because it's so easy for a show to get put up, to be set, and then you get bored of doing it. Or like the people around you get bored of doing it. So it starts to die. It starts to wilt. And it's like the best way to think about it. And a director has really done the really understands the thought behind everything and can take a step back because they're not in the thick of it and they're not in it every day you know they're they're on the outside looking in and they can like breathe fresh life into it and allow it to kind of blossom and grow into the next step i've always thought a director director makes or breaks a show obviously um is it obvious I think, I think, because I think you can take someone who is quote unquote a bad actor, but if you have a good director who can talk to them on a good level and get them to see what the vision is, a director can make or break an entire day, an entire show. Can. Can. I'll go for can. Yes, can. Absolutely can. You, right. But it's all about like, how, like, do they, can a director get to you? Cause I don't need someone to just tell me where to stand and say my line. <laughs> I need you. I need you to tell me if, and if that's the case, if you need me to stand there and say that line, I need you to be able to say it to me in a way that I absolutely believe you and believe like it's the only choice for the character. Like I have to have that. Interesting. And talk about directors that you've worked with that you, but b- before you get to your, you know, we, I'm sure we have our lists of our, um, favorites, but but directors that you've worked with that um, in you you believe inspired those feelings for you. So one of I'm gonna there are a couple obviously, and one of them is actually on my list, but I want to talk about her at the end because that's oh, okay. a separate important thing. Uh, but we'll we'll get there. Um, but there's there was a, a director that I had at my first summer stock contract. It was my first big boy job. 
in college. I thought I was so special. Um, at a theater, at a small theater in the middle of Ohio. And his name you is are Andrew. very special, whether you, you had that job or not. Thank you. That's very kind of you to say. Um, but his name is Adam Carson, and he is—he's you know based out of New York City, and just and was the artistic director of this theater in Ohio for a couple of years. And he gave me my first job. He was the first person to say like, "Oh, I see what you do, and it's very good. Like, I want to work with you." Um, and he is the kind of man, and because there are two extremes, right? Like, he's, there's the there are the directors who tell you stand on this number, say this line like this, like give you the line reading and they exist and they're stressful, but they exist. And you just have to learn how to deal with them. And then there are the directors who like expect you to come in with a full backstory, pages upon pages of notes to know every nuanced version of every moment in the entire show. Um, That's also a different kind of extreme. And Adam could be of that kind of extreme sometimes. And, but I loved the challenge. I remember getting like him being like, I want you to, the specific production was Footloose and Footloose is like pretty campy. Like nothing about that needs to be like thoughtful or deep or interesting. And camp like, can be deep. Yes, but I camp can be deep. Footloose right. does not need to be deep. And he somehow made us all feel like the, our version needed to needed to say something more because of where we were. And he was like, "These, there are kids who probably live in towns similar to the one we're doing the show in, who feel like they can't express themselves, that if they move or they, like, if they move their body in a way, they'll be looked down upon or they'll be made right. fun or right. like right. they'll be chastised or like judged mm-hmm. or whatever those things are, right? And so he really pushed us to do that. And I will never forget this stuff. So I'm, his, oh God, oh God, I love Adam so much. Um, We were, rehearsing the girl gets around and he was like i want this to just be like a big party i want them i want that as soon as he hits the radio and the music starts playing i want everyone to feel like they're at a bar like at a club and like they just get it <laughs> um and he was like and if, he was like and you I, when you i was this? i was 20 oh okay. 20 right. I was, yeah it's 20 um and he was like i want you to really like really honor that i want you to like go there so he, he was like, and he was like, the space is yours. If the if the leads aren't being interesting enough, take over. I don't care. Be bit, like he was like, I want everyone to be as big as humanly possible. Um, and he was like, because that's the only way the show lives. That's the only way the show exists is if we are like go- really going forward, we're like breathing and living, and it's huge. Fast forward. So I'm like, we're like moving, we're dancing. I'm dry. I'm like, this is fun. I'm having a great time. And there was a moment where the leads are like singing down center stage. And he was like, and I got stuck behind them and was like, okay. So I could either make the like small choice and go around back or I can like make the big choice and like still be in the number, not pull focus, but like cross down stage in front of them. No one's going to die. So I do it. And he stopped rehearsal. And I was like, oh God, <laughs> I'm going to get yelled at. This is it. This is it. I'm going to lose my job today. Oh my. I'm going to yes. be fired. Um, oh my God. And he literally stopped and was like, see, that's the best. Like, he's the only person who's done it today. He got up. He, like, made a choice. He just, like, didn't still focus, but he was in the, he was in the room. He made a character choice. It made sense for him to cross away. So he did it. That's what I want. I want more of that. I want people to be that invested the entire time. And I was like, oh, so I'm allowed to be that big and I'm allowed to go for it. And the worst that'll happen is they give me a note. <laughs> 
And wow. I like, regardless if the note is good or bad, it's still a note. And I was like willing to take it. So all of that to say, Adam was like one of the very first people in my life to like really push me to want to be as bold um, and like allow myself to figure out how to make a show breathe. Yeah, that 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 says so much. You know, sometimes I giggle just at how polar opposite our perceptions are. But really, when you got to the nitty gritty of it, what you appreciated was he kind of held space for you to create. Because yes. I do feel like sometimes with the especially with our current glorification of all directors, and believe me, I had no trouble coming up with way too many people whose work that I just really admire and and respect but but often the actor is and not from those people but often the actor is like a tool for the director's vision and that isn't necessarily what you just described at all you kind of described the opposite he opened yeah. the door for you to create that's all, that's the main vote that should be their that should be their main job in my opinion a good director lets you create and lets yes. you like lets you breathe life and helps you keep it alive yes i love this life this like breathing of life metaphor i keep using it's very important well, today. we'll have to touch base when you do your first replacement on broadway yeah and have to fit into someone else's track yeah because because even on tour which <laughs> yeah because even yes, on tour you, which the, oh the entity had already but the entity right. had already existed, right? right? So there's this thought of like fitting into a into a window. But I didn't have the, I didn't have an issue of like you have to stay here on this number because that's where the lights are. It was just like we got to kind of recreate the show again because we were the first national. I would love right. to know what like the people who did the second national how they felt because it's already set. We had well, already created it. Or the person that leaves and then the person that has to replace them. Right. Exactly. So and I, I, you know. That is coming for me, I'm sure, but I will be. Yes, and very to be fair, that's a complex dance, right? People want to see what was done on Broadway or originally, and especially when the creators. I mean, I I respect why that's there. Yeah, but, whew, it's hard. It's that's awesome. really hard to do. I can only imagine, and I got a little taste of it when I went the last the last time I did Kinky Boots, and I went down and like had to replace someone because they booked another gig. But that's like that was on a. a, a macro micro micro scale it's very small like nothing yes. nothing intense right. but i can only imagine you know on the day that i go in for dear evan Hansen and i'm evan and i have to right. fit the mold that already exists like how that affects you so although it looks like they're shattering that mold all the time yeah which is nice but it's still yeah still kind of there in the in, yeah. in the big entities you've got it i mean because right. if you don't do it if you don't just show up and do what you're supposed to then or like follow what's already been planned you'll get hurt so you can't yeah, yeah. So, well you tell me your first director choice i always well, go first okay um I, he's this is one of those names that you will definitely know and i think until you really dig into his background um, you might you might miss what's there. And this is so tried and true and so corny. Um, and the majority of my choices are straight play directors. But there's something about the legacy of Jerome Robbins and the things that he held space for the creation of and the way he did. Um, mm -hmm. You realize that very early on, I mean, this is a guy who ended his career. You know, the last show he did was 1964. 
fiddler. And then he went back to American ballet. Now he got to do Jerome Robbins Broadway, but that was, you know, recreating and there were fiddler tours and there were earlier incarnations that he got to, got to remount. But he basically said, this is too much. I don't want to deal with this. I want to create my dances, but he has such an extraordinary background in theater and acting and, I, I hate using this dangerous term method acting because it's so vague and it really doesn't mean anything um, other than people seriously trying to consider um, what, what, what makes a connected actor. Um, Cause you'll get so many different opinions about Stanislavski and anything, but I feel like his, his legacy and the pieces that, that he created and really combining the acting part of theater with movement with music is extraordinary. So Absolutely. For me, he's the man. Yeah, I mean... You know, people hated him. <laughs> well, I mean, there's something to be said about people hating you, though, too. Like, you're, there's something about be, to, to be said about being revered like that. I think what makes him so incredible is that his work has stood the test of time. Mm. You know, there's a reason we people want to see the original choreography and like the original direction mm. of West Side and Fiddler and like that those are important like I, I you know they're huge well they and he was so important with the shaping of those pieces in the writing yeah right especially West Side Story and Fiddler you know as but there's Gypsy and there's a whole slew of other things in there but you can see how especially with Fiddler we have so much documentation in terms of letters between he and Bach and Harnick and pushing them to things. And it's always so wise. We also have Sondheim in his lyric book talk so much about the things he learned from, from Robbins and things that he didn't understand why Robbins believed until he would suggest something. And then he'd see it and go, Oh, he's right. I mean, that's yeah. just better, just better. Theater. Storytelling. That's, that's just better. Storytelling. storytelling. Yeah. 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 I think he, I, Jerome Robbins really understood the concept that, the storytelling doesn't stop when the dancing starts. And there's something, especially as two yeah. dancers, yes. right? Like, especially as two people who like dance. Right. Um, I understand that. And it feels there are very few, not very few, but it, uh, looking at my list, now that, now that we talk about this, looking at my list, uh, two of my choices are people who dance and who are dancers first. And oh, they became directors. Right. And it, you see like, oh, I guess I re radiate with their energy because they get, we speak a very similar language right. that other people may not really understand. Right. And so maybe that's why I'm drawn to them as directors. Right. I should also clarify that he was not only hated, I mean, he wasn't that hated by critics, I don't think. Um, he he was hated. Well, there's the whole house of an American activities thing, but people who worked for him hated him. Yeah. Both. He was, he was hard. <laughs> Difficult and mean and cruel yeah. in a way that I don't think would be tolerated today. No. Uh, but, but a lot, I would say a majority of the people that would talk about how cruel and mean he was. And I've heard it and I can verify this on podcasts would say I'd work with him again anytime. Yeah. As awful as the experience was. I don't know if I would want to work with him, but <laughs> I don't know if I could do I there's a part of me that thinks like I would be really invested or like really um like I would really appreciate being pushed the way he seems to push people. Mm -hmm. 
but I, but I like, I know that I can also like snap back. Like, I don't know if, I don't know. It would be such an interesting thought to like be in the room with him and try to figure out like, how would I really respond to this? Yeah. Would I be like, would I just take it and know that like, it's for the greater good of the story? Yeah. Or, or would I be like, that's rude. And you don't need to talk to me like that. Like I would love to, I've never had, I mean, not say never. No, I've never had a director that I have felt like challenged me like that. Cause that's very different. And I don't know if I, you know, I co- so come from that, that old school <laughs> beat em up thing yeah. that I've been told by fellow actors in shows. I remember one time in, in, in particular where it was said to me, wow, I have never heard a director speak so disrespectfully to anyone ever. And I hadn't noticed. It was such a different world. And I, I don't know, Kirk, why those two feelings of I respect this man and I'm going to do it can't live side by side with, but that's rude and you don't need to do that. <laughs> I mean, I think those, those, it's not one or the other. No, it, yeah. no, it doesn't, it shouldn't be, but. But it's hard and it's great that you would have that thought as opposed to mine, which is, oh, I'm just going to take it. Right. Which, but I think that's the difference. That is, that is where we both entered the the industry. Cause I would also even love to talk to someone younger than me and see how they feel about it. Cause this current generation is just so anti everything that I would love to know if they would even <laughs> like, they just don't sit, they don't take anyone's bullshit, which is like brilliant. And I, but I was like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm used to being in a situation where like, if the director is slightly not polite to me, I can like rationalize like, Oh, did you do what you're supposed to do today? Like I'll find the reasons why they were upset and be okay with it. I just don't know if this current generation of, children would even stand for it. They're like, no, you can't talk to me like that. I think it's so great. I wouldn't call them anti-everything, but it it just, it's not helpful. No, it doesn't. It's not. And, but I'm like you, like you slightly less, but like you, I'm used. I was like, well, that's expected. Like they've got a lot to do. They want the best product. They don't want you to like lollygag around and not get it done. So they are just like more aggressive about things, but is it helpful? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Is it helpful at the end of the day? Like, could we just continue on? So I don't know. Um, you know, it's it, interesting. Yeah, right. As we look back on the history of theater, and one of the reasons I'm so uh, resistant to this whole, um, oh, what do we want to say, uh, magnification of the importance of directors is that you look back on Greek theater, you don't, you look back on Shakespeare and theater. I mean, there were, there were people that were clearly in charge, but mm-hmm. you don't find things about director's vision. And yet, you look at these pieces, which were mostly about, which the things that I care about the most is you talked about what you care about. I mean, I'm most interested in the actor, right? And I'm most interested in the material. And I mean, uh, th- she's not really on my list, but I'm a huge fan of Diane Paulus. And what I loved about that Pippin revival is I love the circus and you can have as much circus as you want. And I'm there, but you could have taken the circus out of that production and you still had the play and you still had the actors at their the tops of their game. And, you know, it was tied together beautifully. But what really made it wasn't necessarily the circus and all of that. Yeah, it was exactly. what was already there. What was created to begin yeah. with. And yes, exactly. acknowledge, yeah, acknowledging like the original intent of the piece. Amen. <laughs> Which is a whole yes. thing. 
Um, yeah, I love Jerome Robbins, and honestly, I I will say this: like I did, I did West Side Story when I was uh, I was seventeen, sixteen, seventeen, junior year of high school, and we did all the original choreography, and it was the first time that I understood the importance of movement to a show, mm, and like yes. why. And I was like, oh, so I can only imagine. And you know, my director was brilliant. I love this woman with my whole heart. She's very important to my well-being as a human and my art artistry. So much of my so much of my talent is derivative of what she taught me. But I was like, I could would have loved to be in a room when Jerome Robbins was like directing this and and teaching this material and getting them to understand the importance of uh, why this is on the end and not. Right. the beat or like why you have to hit like uh like i think in think, think in moments of like dance at the gym like nothing is just frivolous every moment is important every moment right. every moment leads you to the next thing which is how you get to the shooting or to the stabbing at the end of the right. act like everything is um, like everything is linear and it's it is a shame when i have seen other shows choreographed by by other people and the dance has felt unimportant or 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 yes. uh thrown at it like not there was it's not driven from something more specific well it goes back to jean paul on our first podcast talk and i agree with him completely and i try to write dance into all my shows but you know when it's part of it I love it. And when it feels like it's an add on because we like the high kicks and the splits and the whatever, it, it doesn't have the same resonance. I don't know how familiar you are with Fiddler for years. It came in the book and every, and it was the, so you, you've seen all that. And what's really astonishing about something like Fiddler is there's thrilling dancing in mm -hmm. West Side Story. The dancing is, it's technically not as show off. It's not as, um, maybe it's not as big. satisfying. It's not as big, but it's like but rooted. It tells the story so not that there can't and shouldn't be other ways of doing it, but the simplicity of what he created and how it all takes that puts that story together. He, you don't leave Fiddler say, talking about the choreography, which you might no. with West Side Story, not as right. a negative thing, but but what I but what I what I love about the the choreography in Fiddler is that it also feels true to the people telling that story. It feels like, oh, right, if we were in a in a village in like that would be, that's how they would move. Got it. Under, like, I see all of it. Yep. And, and while, like, maybe the boys, maybe boys in a gang in New York City wouldn't dance like they do in West Side Story. In 2022. Right. In 2022. <laughs> I do, I do acknowledge, like, oh, the the choreography becomes, like, the visual, like, because of how aggressive it is, it's like the visualized version of like what the fighting would look like or what the anxiousness that is bottled in them would look yes. like, and so it makes it's like logical and it makes sense. Um, Which is what I loved in the universally hated revival of two thousand two thousand and nine. Is it all felt of a world? To me, that, yes. that made good sense to me. Yeah, and I—it's it, about like understanding that, like, ab about buying into what we're what is being sold to you. 
And like, yeah. if you can acknowledge, I think that's something that he does brilliantly is yep. he gets you to buy in. He gets you to understand if you are there, if you are present, he will, you will see it for the, for what it really is. Mm. And that's huge. It's yeah. huge. Yeah. Um, Who's at the top of your list? So, um, like I said, I, I re, I'm realizing now that we're talking about this, like who I picked and why it's partially because they come from a place of dancing. But my first choice is Jerry Mitchell. <laughs> I, I like, knew you were going to say that. Yes. Hands down, <laughs> without a doubt. Ever at, I think so much, like as we were talking about Jerome Robbins, I was like, oh, so much of the reasons that I like Jerry Mitchell are these exact same thoughts and mm. these exact same opinions. He understands the material as it at it at its core and gets the actor to comprehend how to elevate in a way that each moment whether you're speaking singing or dancing makes sense but we all he also knows how to live in the correct world and so nothing is overdone or like nothing is accidental even dance breaks that could feel kind of out of place are not out of like are on purpose. They are linear and they get you from point A to point Z very well. Well, I have to say, I'm looking through the um, list of his, I, I had forgotten how many of these things he had choreographed. Yeah. His Maybe. list is like, it's really yeah. cool to look yeah. at. And, you know, he, he, my window into him obviously was Legally Blonde. Um, and how important that was right, to right. him because it was his first time just directing, not choreographing, oh, right. just directing. That right. was his, like, he directed and choreographed that show, but that was his first time being able to do both. Right, right. And um, it, but he got, he somehow made this blonde woman <laughs> from California make sense both in her, in her sorority at Harvard Law School, singing songs, and doing a dance break. Well, I don't know that he did all that by himself, as much no. as I respect and revere this man's work. but <laughs> No, of course not alone, but he got Laurel Bundy to a point that, like, it made sense in her body, and you don't question her for a moment. You know she's supposed to be at Harvard Law School, but you also know, like, when you get to the dance break in Positive, like, yeah, she's, yeah, she's earned this, earned this she's earned that dance break and she's earned she's earned to cry in the legally blonde um ballad like he he pushed her in a direction and it's and and it's what and because of where he started and what he got out of the book writers and how he got created it all still stands the test of time even when it's not the original company doing it it doesn't fall flat well, yes, but the part of me wants to play devil's advocate. I mean, you, you are, it may very well have been him that did all that. But when I look at the people that he's working with, it seems very much, I mean, he's ultimately at the end of the day, the buck stops with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if he, uh, we could really say he accomplished all those things. Jerry Robbins didn't write West Side Story or <laughs> Fiddler, right? But, but, but when but we watch a, the progression, we see, yeah. we, we can document his yeah. participation. Yes. Well, I, I, I think it's to be said that like, yeah, the buck stops with him, but also like a smart director and a smart human being will surround themselves with people who are equally yeah. as talented and, and lift 
And that's something a director has to do. They have to like elevate everyone in the room to get out of their own way and say, it's not about me. It's about the storytelling. It's about the piece. (laughs) That's my point. Thank you for making my point better than I Yeah. Yeah. It's about getting out of the way and being like, it's about what, how do we get to the, the smartest thing? What, and the smartest idea wins in the room every single time. And it, Jerry Mitchell strikes from what I have seen and what I have heard from him in interviews the smartest, the smartest idea always wins. Even like think, I think about like even if it's uh, not his, right? Even if it's not his, yes. There's there are like interviews with Annalie Ashford uh, when she was doing Kinky Boots, and like history of wrong guys is hard. It's not like <laughs> it's hard. Yes. You have to be funny and still like quirky and attractive and like all of these weird like you're asking a lot of her and she was like we got to just do it together and he never he let the smartest idea win so some of those are mine and some of those are his and some of those are Cindy Lauper's and some of those are like yeah like so this but the smartest idea got to win and that is what I kind of love about what he brings to the table um significantly Special, and he does contemporary, like, current musical theater so well that you believe the world we're living in. Even if it's, like, you, I can acknowledge, like, he gets, like, the nuance of, like, this has to be set in a situation where, like, I believe that that person in 2022 would say the things that you're asking them to say. He, like, helps everyone get what's on the page to breathe in 2022, and I still believe it. I have a feeling that his strength, and I, I can't, I can't document this, but he's one of these people that when he can wear both hats, that's when we're really going to get this magic of the movement supporting the story in a way that, like, like Robbins did, and that all the great. I mean, and nothing yeah. has to be the same person, but I think for him, when he can juggle all the balls, I mean. I love yeah. that when the movement, just the whole thing. I'm never take. I'm never, I'm never pulled out to think. Oh, now we're watching the exciting dancing, right? As opposed to I'm in the story. This which is this I moment love. was necessary in order to this right. dance moment was necessary in order to get us to the next moment. Right. Without this dance moment, then the sh- then the show would be at a standstill. We would halt. We needed this dance break. I always want to feel like we need the dance break. Yes, which is funny because when I look at how I relate to classical dance, I'm not particularly, I, there are exceptions, but I'm not particularly interested in stories. I much prefer a Balanchine or something where it's just about the movement. and About the dance. Yeah. Yeah, but I also, but that's like. It's a different art it's form. About, it's a different art form. It's about going, it's about knowing when you go in, like what you're expecting to see. Um, and so when I go see a musical, my thought is not like, oh, I want to see pretty dancing and high kicks. And no, I want to go see a story. I want to go be, right. I want to go see storytelling and to be moved right. by the right. statement that's being presented to me. Right. You know, uh, that is important. Right. And, but when I, I've not seen a ballet ever, which maybe I should do that before I go away. Um, but when <laughs> I, I should see a ballet scene. You know, the, the internet is full of amazing things. And if you've never seen a story ballet, I mean, start with Matthew Bourne, Swan Lake. Oh, okay. You will appreciate it more if you've seen the original, <laughs> uh, but you don't have to. 
Okay. Talk about storytelling or any of, and I think all of his things are, are on Broadway HD. I'm, I'm sure Swan Lake is somewhere on YouTube, even if you have to pay it. And it's the original, I believe it's the original score. It was a few years ago. So I, I remember seeing it on Broadway. Oh, okay. Great. Yeah. I should, yeah. I, I've never seen a ballet. I would love to though. Um, but that's a different thing. Like if I go to see that though, I'm expecting, I'm expecting the dance to be at a different level. And the same thing with like, if I'm going to an opera, I'm expecting the singing to be at a different level. But when I go to see musical theater, I, we have to keep the main thing, the main thing, which <laughs> yeah, is the, is the story. Yeah. yeah. So, Or maybe it's about keeping our minds open to receive whatever. Oh, I can receive whatever, but you, I, you just have a harder, you have a tougher climb uphill. If I go in expecting one thing and you're not, and you don't, you don't, it's not yes. that. Yes. My, I don't mind, but it has to be good. Right. My biggest prejudice is if I know the source material. And I'm, you know, that was why, I believe that is why Spider-Man had such a, you know, infamous thing. Because the majority of the people, and I would consider myself a Spider-Man fan, but they wanted a certain thing. And mm-hmm. they didn't get that at all. It- I think it happens with, I think it happens all the time in theater is that if the source material is so like, yes, there is something to be said about, you know, we have to do things. We have to do uh, entities that people know because that bring, that puts butts in seats in order to, for it to continue. But there are really good ways to, there are really bad ways to do it. And then there are really good ways to do it. And like, you know, SpongeBob was a show that I don't think people initially thought like people had an idea of what it should be. But yeah. then you went and saw it and it elevated itself in such a way that you're like, oh, I didn't know that I needed this version of it. That's great. Yes. It, well, Legally Blonde faced the same kind of hostile huh? anticipation. Yeah. And it's Which is, yeah. people, but and I, I don't know how people felt about it when it was originally on Broadway. I know Legally how Blonde? I felt about it. Yeah. Yeah. I know how I felt about in it. New York. Yeah, which is crazy to me because now and maybe it's just like the age demographic but now if you if so if they were to bring that back today i don't think it would have a problem because it is like it's not a cult classic but it's like a it's like extremely relevant in pop culture yeah. and so the selling of it would just be very different now yeah for sure um well we're like almost at the end but it tells me that we're going to need part two of directors. Yeah, we will, which is exciting because I have some. I'm I'm excited to talk about my last two for sure. Yay! Yay! Yeah. I, I couldn't confine myself to any number, um, but except <laughs> except my number one. Uh, okay. But, but yeah, but so we'll have a part two. I can't wait to hear the rest of them then. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, Carl, um, where can people find us? Fill me in the pod. We're on Instagram and Twitter, and we would love to hear from y'all. We will respond. Yes, yes. We want to know who your direct, who some of your favorite directors are, or like a moment that you thought was just like brilliantly executed. Um, that would be super exciting to know. Yes. So fill us in. Yes. Thanks for listening to the pod. We want you to fill us in. We want to use this podcast as a conversation starter to learn what you think about the different topics that we take on. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Fill Me In The Pod. That's Fill Me In The Pod. Woo! And we want to give a shout out 
to our artist Sloan, who made the beautiful design of Kirk and my face. <laughs> and our podcast was edited by Nicholas Clark. Nicholas Clark. Till next time. Bye.